Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Sam Sage, Harry Eid and me, Ben Hocking. The season might well be over, but we're not going anywhere. We're still here because we've got a couple of really important episodes to bring you before we're done for 2021. Here we are tonight to review our pre-season predictions. We're going all the way back to the beginning of the year, looking at what we said and promptly laughing at what we said. Tension is high. It's palpable, you could say, here in the, the LB studio. Drivers' predictions, constructors' predictions, and of course the main event, teammate wars, all up for grabs. I, I'm feeling nervous. Are you guys? Uh, I'm going to take a leaf out of Nico Rosberg's book, and I think I'm just going to retire while I'm the reigning world champ and while I'm ahead. Uh, I don't need to worry about what this was. Actually, if everyone's listening, just turn off now, actually. Um, you don't. Need, it's, it's going to be really boring. Don't worry about it. Don't bother. Pointless waste of your time. I am... Um... I think this may be my least favourite episode to do of the of the year. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever um, won? No, no, no. I mean, Sam, you you know full well that I've never won. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, look, folks, I always live in hope, but I do have good news. I you will not hear a beep in the background of this podcast, or indeed the next podcast, because we're recording two on one night, because. I've gone 190 miles away just to get away from the problem. So that is a lesson <laughs> for all of you. Don't <laughs> That's fix not your the problem. solution. Don't you fix your problem. It's lucky. Drive to Yorkshire. It's lucky you haven't... Yeah, because if you had gone 185 miles away, you might still have heard it. So it's lucky you went to 190 because that beep, I can hear it across London, mate. <laughs> all right, I'm glad we've got, we've got that out the way of... Um... <laughs> And, you know, a great start to the podcast as well. Sam saying, don't bother, and Harry saying it's his least favourite episode of the year. <laughs> great advertisement, just all round, you know. That tells you that we great... think is right, folks. This is a great episode. We, we love predictions, and we love reviewing them. Um, we'll, we'll start with Teammate Wars. So if you haven't uh, listened along to a previous one of these, we basically take all ten teams, look at the driver pairings and work out who's going to have more points at the end of the year. So naturally, maximum score here is 10. 
This is the fifth year we've done this. We've done it in forms of videos and articles in the past. We've Four times we've done this previously. Sam is there on two wins. I'm also on two wins. <laughs> Harry's here as well. That is your favourite joke, and I hate you for it. He's delivered that so every never year, gets basically. Old. It never gets old. It the might be my favourite joke. you actually win. Yeah, don't win. Oh, dear. I'd like to get to a decade and you've still got a one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll kick off. We're going to run through, uh, as we predicted them, so this is actually going to run in 2020 championship uh, order. means we've got a couple of easy ones to kick us off, really, um, because we started with Mercedes, and it might shock you to learn that we all picked Lewis Hamilton. So early scores on the doors, 1-1-1. <laughs> one, one, one. Good. We're, we're just it's happy to be on the board. I mean, just on on Hamilton versus Bottas because I've have worked this out. Hamilton Bottas, the partnership is as old as teammate wars is. So we've wow. been predicting Hamilton versus Bottas all this time. Sam, were you surprised this year at the gap between them? Do you think it was going to be closer? Do you think it was about right based on what you thought at the beginning of the year? I literally said that Bottas wouldn't win a race, Ben, and I also predicted that Hamilton would be the drivers' world champion. So no, I th- I thought it was going to be quite cavernous, quite expansive. Um, and they delivered. I mean, Bottas managed to get third, but um, yeah, Hamilton was, what, over 100 points clear of Bottas? It wasn't ideal, really, was it? So, no, no, I was expecting nothing more from Bottas. Well done, Valtteri. Proud of you. So it was pretty much about what you expected, apart from the fact that Bottas did win a race, just to rub that in. The one. I can't believe it was only, the only one as well. Like, it was, I wasn't bothered if it was three or four, but the fact he got the one wing is quite frustrating. <laughs> Just despite you about it. Alright, we've got Mercedes out of the way. Don't need to spend too much time there. We all predicted Hamilton. And really, it's the same thing for the next one. Verstappen versus Perez. Of course, Perez in his first uh, year at the team. And Verstappen did a bit of a job there. And we all predicted that would be the case. So we're all two for two. It does go downhill at some point. (laughs) Oh no. Here we go. It's going to go downhill now. Before we move on from Verstappen and Perez, again, similar question to the Mercedes one. Harry, do you think that the gap was was about what you expected at the beginning of this year? We weren't really sure what to expect from Perez. Yeah, I I think it was. um, I think maybe Perez struggled a bit more than we initially expected uh, and for maybe a bit longer. But he he certainly came on song uh, towards the end of the year, still with a couple of dodgy races here and there. But... He was there at least playing the the the, the number two driver role very well. Um, he wasn't close to Verstappen, but I don't know. Verstappen was at that heightened level because he was in that battle with Hamilton. So I don't know who you could have put in that car to to match him anyway. So um, yeah, I think I think that was uh, about about right for for Perez's uh, performances this year. Yeah, I think I thought Perez was going to be ever so slightly closer. Not not much, but. I think qualifying-wise, we always knew that Verstappen was going to have a distinct advantage there. But certainly in the Grand Prix, I was expecting there to be at least some races where they were quite evenly matched. And really, that there weren't many. I know Perez made a few good recoveries and had some good races as well. But he never really threatened Verstappen all that much. Which, you know, might might well have worked for the Drivers' Championship. Didn't necessarily work for the Constructors' Championship, though. So we'll have to see how he gets on in his second year. Because as you rightly say, Harry... um, latter end of the year there were some more encouraging results versus the first half of the year 
Um, so we've been all agreement through the first two. Uh, this is where we start to disagree and where wrong answers start to come in because uh, we go to McLaren next where oh. Lando Norris faced off against Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel oh. Ricciardo moving to the team. Lando Norris in his third year at the team. Uh, Harry, you made the mistake of going for Daniel Ricciardo here. Sam, you made the mistake of agreeing with Harry. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've learnt my lesson. <laughs> it's because I've, I've never, ever bet against Daniel Ricciardo and it's paid off quite handsomely for the past however many years. Never mind. Well, I mean, you did predict him to be 2018 world champion. He didn't. He did let you <laughs> out of it there. Um, that one. <laughs> but other than that, in teammate wars, you might well be right. Um, see, I, I was smart enough to know Harry doesn't know what he's talking about, and I went with Lando Norris, so, so I take true. an early lead here. Zing. That is so true. After... I'm so annoyed. It feels like such an obvious one to now not go with. I, w- I will say though. I mean, I, I went with Norris, but I thought it was going to be pretty close and ultimately it wasn't it wasn't that close at all given given you went for Daniel Ricciardo Sam did, did you think at least that that Ricciardo would come on strong in the second half of the year and overtake Norris or towards the end or did you see Ricciardo coming in and dominating no I thought it was going to be a second half of the year kind of thing and, he, and for a moment it looked like that was coming true he had two or three performances after the summer break where he picked things up. You know, he got the wing in Monza. He did well in the likes of... Um, and obviously, Norris crashed out in qualifying, but Ricardo looked good in Spa. Um, he was all right with the Silverstone performance as well. It looked like he was starting to get used to the car, and they were developing the car to match as much of Ricardo's driving style as Norris's driving style. And I thought, here we go. We've got more than enough races left now. Danny Rick picked up the wing. The points are going to start to transfer over. And it's going to end up being very, very close. But it just never happened for him. It looks like he was about to get off the ground. And then he just kept falling outside the top 10, qualifying outside the top 10, finishing outside the points. I think two or three races in a row wasn't great for him. He just could not keep up with Lando. And I know it's his first year in a team, and we saw the similar thing happen at Renault, right? He was not as strong in his first year at Renault as he was in his second, so maybe you should have seen that coming. But it's Danny Rick. I've got, I had a lot of faith that Danny Rick is one of the elite, and I thought we were going to see a bit more from him. So I was a bit disappointed that it wasn't closer. The gap is definitely bigger than I was anticipating it to be. Do you think, Harry, that the the writing was on the wall quite early on? Because I can remember back to the Bahrain Grand Prix when we reviewed that, and I think Lando Norris in that race soundly beat Ricardo, might have been like thirty seconds or so, and all of us were saying, "Wow, that's a that's a statement result." And as we got closer to the end of the year, and that sort of result was still happening, it was a bit like, "Oh, okay, sure, he's done it again." Do you think it was kind of set in stone quite early on? Uh, yeah, I think it it quite possibly was. Um... You know, I, I'm now going to start putting Danny Ricciardo in the same category as, and not category in terms of skill or talent, but in a, a, a category as Jensen Button and Sebastian Vettel, who are both quality drivers, but they really need the car to be right for them. Otherwise, it all goes to poo a lot of the time. Um, so I think that's where, I think next year he'll be stronger. He'll have the car more suited to him. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think writing was on the wall. Fairly early on, and actually looking back now to those Renner days, may- maybe it was a bit more obvious that he would have struggled this year. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like Sam, I had maybe a bit more faith that he-, he might have adapted a bit quicker, having already jumped ship once and done that and knew what to do. But um, yeah, it was an odd one. Um, 
I think he was having, like Perez, some more encouraging performances by the end of the year. And it sounds, it sounds ridiculous, this, because he, he, he did literally win a race. Um, so, yeah, a weird, a weird year for, for Ricardo, but I think next year's going to be more encouraging for him. Yeah, I think with the, the whole Renault situation, I agree he didn't quite get off the ground early, but it felt like this year was another step forward, well, really another step back against that. Like This was real, real struggle for most of this year. And to be honest, even though I, I did predict Nat, Lando Norris to win this, my prediction was more based on the step forward that Lando Norris would take, which he did, but not necessarily about the step backwards Ricardo would take. I just thought Norris was going to take it to a brand new level. But actually, both kind of happened simultaneously. Um, but as you say, very interested to see what happens when he's got a bit more input into what next year's car might well turn out to be. I think move... as a, uh, a, for- a forfeit... Daniel Ricardo should have to get mine and Harry's faces tattooed on him somewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you, we'll have our people reach out to your people, Daniel. Um, we're, we're on That's it. That, uh, our people are us, so look forward to an email from the three of us. We're, we're, we're a big organisation. Right? We've, we've got a massive <laughs> juggernaut behind us. We've got people to reach out. It is us. Mum, if you're listening, can you reach out, please? <laughs> That's more like it. We'll move slightly further down the grid now uh, from McLaren to uh, what was uh, Racing Point last year. Aston Martin finished fourth in 2020. So this was a brand new partnership again. So Lance Stroll staying with the team, but Sebastian Vettel coming in to replace Sergio Perez. Sebastian Vettel was the pick for all three of us and Sebastian Vettel was the driver that won. So moves the scores to four for me and three for the other two keeping it fairly close at this point. Vettel against Strolls, still fairly close, you would say, Harry. Do, do you think it was uh, do you think it was as close as the scoreline suggests? Um, <clears throat> yeah, look, I don't, Seb didn't have the greatest of years. I think he had a better year than he did last year. I mean, I was not saying a huge amount, because last year was, was, was pretty terrible, but I think there was, there was some signs of, it, of it, uh, improvement again from, from him. And, you know, he lost out on points... I guess in Hungary because you should have had 18 points there, but they he got disqualified, so maybe that's a um, uh, that that would have affected that scoreline. But yeah, he's he's had a very up and down year, has Vettel. So you know, I, I think it's a fairly fair reflection. Um, he's just had a couple of big highs, whereas Stroll's kind of been maybe slightly more consistently average throughout, and it's kind of almost uh, even even itself out that way. So. Um, yeah, I uh, you know I uh, you know expected Seb to beat him maybe a bit more soundly than than he has, but um, yeah, that's an interesting. Those two are going to be an interesting one to look out for next year, uh, particularly what that how that car is going to perform. Yeah, I would say by the end of the year, it was a really tough year for them overall. But by the end of the year, particularly, there were some races they were probably the eighth quickest team. Like they were quicker, quicker than Williams and Haas, but. There were some races where Alfa Romeo had the pace on them and Alfa Tauri did as well and Alpine and it wasn't a great year for them. In terms of the partnership, I I remember saying this at the time that it's crazy we were even discussing Lance Stroll potentially beating a four-time world champion in Sebastian Vettel but as it's turned out, it didn't happen but it, it wasn't by much. So really, you know, this was a competitive one. I actually, I'm of the belief that Lance Stroll had a very marginally better year than Sebastian Vettel. Um, I think it was pretty close. 
they almost had the opposite problems where where Sebastian Vettel seemed to score heavily on a few occasions. He had the P2 in Baku, had uh, Monaco was a good result, would have been a good result in Hungary as well. Whereas Lance Stroll was more racking up with these sort of P8s, p nine, sort of just rolling along the total without getting any standout results. And if they managed to somehow merge those two uh, ways of working, they might have actually got somewhere. But uh, Sam, were you surprised at how close this one was? Honestly, I think Aston Martin might be the most forgettable team on the grid this year. I can literally only remember Sebastian Vettel getting the uh, the podium at Baku and Hungary, which of course was then rejected via fuel issue. Um, the car was a dog. I think we said the same thing about McLaren when they were, you know, the last year they had Alonso, right? They, at one point they fell slower than Williams were at the back of the grid. It was like they just kept disappearing right towards the back of the grid the further into the year we got. And I think a similar thing happened to Aston Martin. And I think you're exactly right. I think... Sebastian Vettel had, if you were to draw a, a diagram that showed their results, Sebastian Vettel would look a bit like a roller coaster. He would go up a big mountain peak and come straight back down again to the very bottom of the, the, the cavern. Whereas Lance Stroll quite literally looked like he took a stroll through a park that had no elevation changes. It was just like two points, two points, two points, one point, four points, no points. You know, he just kind of kept in that very, very average but dull area and that's okay when the car's not very good it's all right to be consistent and i think you're right i think stroll had a a good year for stroll um i don't think this was a good year for vettel if you compare it to previous seasons that he's had that we we know he's capable of but i also think he's adapting to a new team he's adapting to a whole new environment and the car was not a good car to drive so i can't also blame him too much for not getting spectacular results week on week so um, closer than I thought, but only because I think Stroll was a bit more comfortable with the team and his surroundings. And I think if you give Semi Vet another two years in that team with a car that's developing, I think he probably does come out on top for the rest of their time together. And of course, we'll see what you think come, uh, come February when we do, or maybe March when we do these predictions for next year uh, when it returns for its next instalment. But for now, we'll move on to Alpine. Um, this was almost a similar situation to Aston Martin, where an established world champion name is coming in against the driver who's already there with something to prove. So I guess there's a bit of a similarity in, in that sense, although in this instance, of course, Alonso was returning to the sport versus Vettel, who was already there. Alonso versus Ocon, it was very close overall. I think it was five points in it in, in Alonso's favour, which is good news for all three of us because we all picked Fernando Alonso. Harry, do you think? <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Harry, do you think that the win for Esteban Ocon in Hungary perhaps masks how one-sided this was, or do you think it was actually genuinely pretty close overall? Uh, I mean, the early part of the year, Ocon was 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 had the edge, yeah, quite comfortably over over Alonso. Um, but then when Fernando realised who he was uh, remember that he is two time world champ do that oh that, that's who I am ah yes of course Fernando that's me yeah, that's me um, then I think after that that it was it was fairly comfortable in Alonso's favour um, like say uh, there were some obviously there was some winning hungry for Ocon but lest we forget I think they, they should probably share the trophy on that one because without Alonso's mega defence against Hamilton then I don't know whether Ocon would have won that anyway um, and yeah, and then I think Alonso was just comfortably the faster driver throughout the rest of the year. He had a couple of duff races towards the end. I seem to remember Saudi 
was particularly duff for him. He just didn't click with that circuit, which was weird. Um, but yeah, I think overall it was it was Alonso who took it, and that you know perhaps that 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 uh, score line doesn't doesn't really reflect how well this year has gone for him. So yeah, I think Alon- I think Alonso would be would be fairly pleased having been out of the game for a couple of years, and it was maybe too big to be expected. He was a bit slow on the uptake to begin with, but um, yeah, I think it slightly exaggerates what has been a fairly solid year for Alonso. Yeah, I think the issue was, obviously, like you referenced, Ocon had this incredible start to the year. Alpine were like, yeah, this guy's the next Lewis Hamilton. Let's give him a 27-year contract. <laughs> He'll be there and when I'm dead. And, and then Ocon didn't drive very well for the rest of the year because he's too busy rolling around in his money. Like, what, what, what do you do? Uh, I, I kid, of course. I, I think Ocon did get a bit closer towards the end of the year. It was just the middle stint that was very Alonso heavy. And I do think the... You know the win aside, really. Um, apart from that win, Alonso did have a definitive advantage for much of this year, and I think the scoreline does somewhat flatter Esteban Ocon. You know he took his chance in Hungary, and fair play to him. Um, you know he did what was needed of him, despite a large amount of pressure from Vettel. But by and large, uh, Alonso was the was the better driver this year. What, what do you think about that one, Sam? They rarely seem to have a very good result together, right? You know, it was kind of Ocon picked up the wing in, in Hungary. Um, and then the same kind of thing happened in Saudi, right? Ocon obviously fighting for the podium against Bottas in, in Saudi, whereas Alonso was having an absolute appalling race. It was really funny to see the mirroring between Saudi Arabia and Imola. Very similar occurrences where the camera decides to randomly pan down and there's Alonso stuck on the curb facing the wrong way, trying to skirt away as if he's got noticed in mm. some kind of weird office. Yeah, like, it's like the camera's yeah. panting. He's awkwardly looking like, oh, I should, I should be here. Um, I remember about four things, really, from Alpine, and that is Alonso shouting uh, across the radio going, tell Esteban to go think like a lion, um, which allows Ocon to stand on the podium, of course. Alonso actually defending like a lion against Lewis Hamilton, which is brilliant. Um, and then, yeah, Alonso spinning both Imola and Saudi. Um... Yeah, like you guys have said, really, uh, Ocon looked really, really good at the start. He kind of took his foot off the gas a little bit, and Alonso came into it. He got adjusted. It's exactly almost what I thought would happen. I didn't think he'd come into Bahrain and be perfect. He got mugged off by Yuki Tsunoda, for God's sake, in the first race of the season. So, yeah, it panned out as I thought. I think you're right. I think the scoreline is flattering for Ocon. But I don't think Ocon had a bad season. I think Ocon was good. I think Ocon, you know... Did, did well for the team. Is going to let them down at any point, really, in my opinion. Five points off a two-time world champ, despite having a little break. It's no mean feat. Um, and I think Ocon, with the, the tutoring of Alonso, will hopefully come on a little bit. The guy's got talent. I think he can possibly develop to a lot more. Race be seen next year, which will be a very fascinating one indeed. Halfway through, teammate wars, scores on the doors. Four for Harry and Sam. Five for myself at the moment, but there is still a long way to go as we move on to the sixth place team. I certainly haven't. There's some there's some disagreements still to go. Um, but this this next one isn't a disagreement. Which isn't a good thing for any of us. Oh no. Oh we lost. We move on to we move on to Ferrari where we put all of our eggs into the Charles Leclerc basket. And unfortunately I was trying to think of something egg-related to say there, but we've got egg on our face. Yeah, we've got egg on our face because we're all wrong. Um, Carlos Sainz, of course, managed to get that podium 
on the uh, on the last race of the season. Charles Leclerc did enter Abu Dhabi with the lead. Couldn't hold on to it though, so we are all wrong. I, think I, I was sat here. I was sat here for the whole time we were building up to this episode, going, "I've definitely bet on science. I've, I've done it. I've bet on science." <laughs> no, and I've literally <laughs> get the eggs. I'll put them on my own face. What a muppet that was! Stupid decision. Not, not very uh, excellent, is it? Oh, oh egg, extraordinary stuff from Mister <laughs> Reed. Charles Legclerc. Damn it. <laughs> By Nick Clegg. Oh, it's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? It's a Why are you bringing sometimes. up Nick Clegg? That's an inside joke that no one understands. He's got egg in it. That'll do. <laughs> Folks, for explanation, we once sang a history class. Please we were don't explain. Politics. And I made a joke about Nick Clegg, and then everyone decided to talk about Scrambled Clegg, Fried Clegg, <laughs> Clegg's and whatnot. It was... Clegg's Benedict. Honestly, if you don't know who Nick Clegg is, good for you. Because it is, this is a terrible British reference. He's an egg. Uh, not even British, it's just moronic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's the issue at hand of Leclerc versus Sainz. Now, naturally, we all thought Leclerc was going to win. He didn't. But it was close nonetheless. Harry, are you surprised how quickly Carlos Sainz got up to speed with that car? Yes. Very much so. Um, Sainz had a... <laughs> Ahead of the year, um, you know, and maybe Leclerc's been had some unfortunate circumstances, but you know, look at Monaco. He he was on pole and then he threw it at the wall, and then he wasn't on pole anymore, and his teammate got a podium. So, yeah, I think Sainz has had a stellar, stellar year, and a bit shooketh, a bit shooketh by it all, to be honest, um, because I didn't see that coming. I, I didn't think it was going to be a whitewash. For, for 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 signs uh, for, for Leclerc, but I didn't think Sainz was was I thought Sainz would be close, but I didn't think he was going to beat him. See, I I'm pretty ashamed of being wrong here, but I am very much ashamed of how wrong I was because I didn't think this was going to be close, um, and it was pretty much all year. And and Carlos Sainz, he, you could tell from the off really that he was he was on a very similar pace to to Charles Leclerc. Um, and especially as we got into the middle of the season and towards the end of the year, there were regular occurrences where where Carlos was ahead. So yeah, you've got you've got to tip your hat to him as to how well he was able to do this year. Um, I didn't think he was going to get up to speed that early, and perhaps actually the experience of his uh, rather he's had a lot of turmoil in his career, a lot of moving around. Maybe that's actually come along to help him here because he's moved from. Toro Rosso to Renault and Renault to McLaren and now from McLaren to Ferrari maybe all this moving around has actually helped him versus some other drivers that were new into the team maybe he was more easy more able to adjust as a result of that the closeness of this fight Sam surprised by it yes and no he's the bloody smooth operator for goodness sake the man knows how to operate that bit of machinery like no tomorrow it's like me in the Asda car park pushing the trolley into the trolley bay, you know. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I nail it every time. Don't what, forget your pound what? coin, folks. Why didn't you use Sainsbury's? Oh, uh, because I'm just not as witty as you, Ben, all right? We all know it. Um, I, I think oh, I've kind of backed Carlos Sainz for a, a, a quite a while, and I'm actually a bit annoyed at myself for not backing him properly for a whole season. Because um, I said, I don't know if you remember, folks, well over a year ago, and I think Carlos Sainz will win a world championship before Charles Leclerc wins a world championship. 
And I kind of think that I should have stuck to my guns and gone with what I believed in. And Sykes was, was brilliant all year round. Yeah, Leclerc had some bigger results. I think they're very similar levels of podiums. I think Sykes on that last race picked up his third podium of the season, something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think I was expecting Leclerc to win, obviously. And I expected it to be very close. But no, Sykes has surprised and impressed. And he's really shown how good he is as a racing driver this season. I think a lot of people next season are really going to take him seriously, as they should. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite pleased for him, despite being wrong. It's going to be a fascinating one when we come to predict that one. Um... Another unanimous vote on the next one, although in a positive way, because for Alpha Tauri, we all said that Pierre Gasly would pick up the win over Yuki Tsunoda. Sausages. And the gas man. Sausages. Apart from, apart, <laughs> apart from after the Bahrain Grand Prix, I think we were all pretty confident that this was the right call to make. After Bahrain, we know. might have been a bit like, <laughs> but after like three races, I think we were like, yeah, we've, we've probably got this one covered. <laughs> I saw that very small swearing Japanese man go round the outside of Fernando Alonso and I thought, dear God, I've made the biggest mistake of my life. He is the next prodigal son. (laughs) Um, But no, it's all good. Thank you, Gasly, for saving us. Thank you very much, P. Gasly. So 6-5-5, the scores as we go into the last three teams on the grid. Alfa Romeo. This has been a notoriously difficult one to judge between Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen. They've got one win each from 2019 and 2020, so there was a difference in opinion when we were picking this one. Harry, you went right. You went Kimi Raikkonen on this one. Yes. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Sam, you seem to be shrinking in your chair. I'm sick of being wrong. <laughs> I know I chose Gio because Kimmy's washed. He's gone. Well, if if Kimmy's washed, I don't know what that makes Gio because Raikkonen did win and you did pick Gio on this one. Oh, um, God damn it, Jesus. And I went to, I, I made a cardinal sin that ended up being all right. I decided to agree with Harry and I, and I was all right for it. Paid off. Nice. I can't believe I'm last. I'm last. I remember making this prediction and I was like, you know, I'm going against everything that I think. I think it should be Geo, but I've just got a feeling for Kimi Raikkonen and he didn't let me down. Well done, Kimster. Now I know how Lewis Hamilton felt in Kuala Lumpur. This, oh, no, no. That is exactly what I'm going through. The exact level of emotion, I imagine. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Lewis was in the lead when that happened. Oh, but I'm the reigning champion two two times. Fair enough. Two time world champion. Well, you're going to need a miracle for for that to change, I'm afraid, as we go to the last two teams on the grid. Spoiler alert, Uh, folks. We go to Haas next of all, which, of course, rookie versus rookie, Schumacher versus Mazepin. Um,. Not that any of us look massively favourably on Mazepin now, but especially at the time we made these predictions, I don't think anyone was looking very favourably on Nikita Mazepin. Um, we all went Mick Schumacher on this one. Which means we all, even though it was nil-nil, we all pick up a point because he did finish higher up in the championship. So, well done to us all. Yay. Is it unusual to look at a driver in a worse light than before they begin the sport? Ooh. Sorry, Nikita. You are literally I, I, an egg in a car. 
I I do hope that Haas can deliver a better car next year, just to I don't know, just to see what what's going to happen. I mean, it does. Yeah, go. On. As a, a car that just doesn't want to kill them every time they approach oh, that'd a corner, be cool, wouldn't it? Could be excellent. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> a working vehicle. Damn. Let's see if they they're able to achieve that or not. Um, and the last one. This is always. This is always the bogey team. This is Williams. Uh, the reason it's the bogey team is because we always pick George Russell and he always loses for some reason. He lost, <laughs> Go on, Robert. He, he lost to Robert Kubica thanks to Germany uh, in 2019. Uh, sorry, 2018. He then lost to Latifi um, last year. So now we head into this year and he's up against Latifi again. And there's always that fear that it's going to be like 1-0 or 2-0. Fortunately, this year we had the barnstormer that was the Belgian Grand Prix that gave George Russell a podium. So George Russell has won this one. <laughs> Did anyone think that maybe Nicholas Latifi might be able to grab a point here or there? No, oh, well, we all went George Russell. Oh, oh, good. Oh, God. Grab me on there. Yeah. No, we all went George Russell on this one, and we were all right, which means the final scores on the doors. Sam, 7 out of 10. I'm, a fo- I'm afraid you take the wooden spoon this year. It's the only one I haven't got in my trophy cabinet, so I'll take it. Uh, Harry, I hate to do this to you, but you haven't won again. <laughs> <laughs> Every year. But you were close. Thanks, You were man. close, though. Uh, 8 out of 10 for, for Harry, but I... I will become the first three-time champ with nine out of ten this year. What's the dance for that? Do you think think that's why Fernando was so confused for the first race? He didn't know what dance he was meant to do anymore. I reckon he was doing some strange dance for three times. Yeah, I'm just annoyed. I could have had a perfect score if the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix didn't exist. Because Charles Leclerc was leading going into it. I've got so much love for Carlos Sainz right now. Honestly, I'll go. he's not God Leclerc for a while. Put it that way. Not not God Leclerc for, for quite a while. Sam Sam's got to throw my met- metaphorical cap at you, Ben. Oh, got ya. Throw it back, Austin style. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a cool down room. Scared of just being in a bedroom. Guys, I have a question. Come on, what is let's it? hear it. And I'll give you a hint. The answer is not nine free beers. <laughs> oh, what is, every what time. is better? What is better than eight free beers? Um, Seven free beers? Well, that's no, Harry, that's not how more. numbers work. <laughs> God, he's such a plonker. Uh, I'm going to go with ten free beers. You're close, apart from you didn't quite say it right. It is... Ten free beers. <laughs> Did you like that? Oh, I loved it. I wonder where you got the inspiration for that from. It was great. Beautiful. No idea. But good news is you can get ten free beers. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash late. Cover the £5.95 for postage to claim your free case. Uh, and what's more, if you do it before the 17th of December, so you'll have to get in there quickly, you can get two extra free beers. Beer 52 is a beer club like absolutely no other. They send experts around the globe to find the best beer available anywhere on planet Earth. Each month, their members receive a new case, usually from a different part of the world. 
Members have had beer from more than more than 40 countries across five continents. Grab yourself this treat in time for Christmas. You can impress friends, family and dinner guests with a cast of hoppy IPAs, crisp craft lagers and sumptuous stouts. If, and also, if dark beer is not your thing, just simply choose the light option instead of, mix, of a mixed case. As well as all that delicious beer... Guess what, folks? You're a Sue for Make magazine, which delves into the beers, breweries, and the theme. You know what? We got given a a, a cheeky little case by Beer 52, and I got from Make magazine. I gave it a little read while having my uh, two delicious snacks, which I washed down with the beer, and the snacks were good. Harry, I didn't save any for you when I shared. Yeah, what the hell? Where's the snacks? (laughs) Sorry, mate. (laughs) I kept them. I had them. Two little jalapeno-type crunchy things. They were really nice. Oh, delightful. Yes, what is not to love about this, so get involved. Anyway, after redeeming your first case, you'll join the monthly beer club at £24 per month. No minimum commitment, pause, or cancel any time. And just a reminder, that is beer52.com and then forward slash late. L-A-T-E. For anyone that struggles with that, it is L-A-T-E. Like you will be if you don't hurry up to claim this advert. Late. Thanks very much. Love your support, Beer52. Cheers, lads. Should we move on to driver's predictions? Chance for a reprieve here. Yeah, um, I haven't got that right either. I'll tell you what, guys. It's, it's not looking great. <laughs> right. I already know who I went for, and, and up to lap 57 of the WWGP, I was looking good. Uh, yep. And you could say the same for myself, and you could say the same for Mr. Samus <laughs> uh, We <laughs> This was looking all right, as you say, at about half past two on Sunday <laughs> it wasn't looking too great 30 minutes later uh, we all predicted Hamilton would win the championship we all predicted Verstappen would finish second in the championship which uh, unless uh, unless Mercedes do well in court and you know we'll, we'll revisit if that's the case but we're, we're, we're nothing we're nothing on this one uh, nil, nil, does Michael Massey know the place. ramifications that he's caused by doing this ridiculous safety car business look at what you brought us to Michael the late breaking F1 podcast is in ruins over here unbelievable fortunately it gets a bit better from here for two of us oh, oh that's not me because because I said bodies. <laughs> third and fourth place uh, we had Bottas and Perez but we had them in slightly different orders now the actual order was Bottas in third and Perez in fourth Hashtag believe in bodies because <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I managed. I managed to get this the right way round, so I'll take my two points here. And congratulations, Harry. So did you. Yes. Unfortunately, Mr. Sam Sage thought that Perez would beat Valtteri Bottas. Sam, what do you have to say to Valtteri? Bodies, <laughs> go and listen sorry. to my song again. I'm sorry, bodies. Um, you're in Alpha next year against Guan Yu Zhao. I'll make a promise now. I will bet on you next season, I promise. Love you very much. Well, on, a more, on a slightly more serious note, in this Bottas versus Perez fight, what, what do you think caused it to be that way round? Do you think it's the experience of Bottas versus Perez in a top car? Was it actually the cars themselves in terms of the competitiveness one against the other? What do you think, Sam? Yeah, no, I think it was just a combination of those things. The Mercedes worked on a lot of tracks and I think the stat I think you know if you take drivers out of it 
I think that Bottas was able to do more in the Mercedes than what Perez was able to do in that Red Bull. Perez is adjusting to a brand new team, a whole new setup, a brand new car. Bottas is sat back into his usual routine. He understands the team, understands the car. His setups are all there for him. Um, he's used to winning. He's used to being a championship leader in terms of the constructors, at least. The guy knows how to be a front runner, and okay, he didn't have a, a bloody brilliant season. He was well off the pace in terms of the top two. But he knows how to deliver, he knows how to be a wingman, and he did exactly that for a lot of the season. So I should have looked at that and seen it carry through. But I guess I had a lot of faith in Perez. You know, I've seen what Perez could do in a midfield car, and I thought, if that Red Bull was going to be good, then I think he could deliver. And he did at the end of the year, I felt like Perez. But um, yeah, let me down in the first kind of first half of the season. And Bottas, of course he shone through. Everyone else in the Discord seems to think that me and Bottas are the same person. I do have to keep throwing people off the scent. Otherwise, big secrets might be revealed. Maybe so. I, I, I think from my side, the the difference here was qualifying. I, I think that's what it came down to, is yeah. that Bottas very regularly, he, I mean, he had a number of pole positions throughout the year, but, but generally speaking, he was in and around those sort of top two or three spots. Whereas Perez did have, you know, a few Q2 eliminations, uh, a few instances where he's starting in the lower ends of the top 10. And th there were some races this year, I'm trying to remember an example, I think Zandvoort, where Perez didn't qualify very well, had to work very hard to get back up to maybe like P7 or P8. And he, he had a good race to get to that point. And I remember us being quite critical of, of Valdry Bottas, who finished P3 in that Grand Prix. But it's, that, it's all about qualifying. It, it, it was about Valtteri Bottas having a much better starting position, even if the race didn't go to plan. What do you think was the key reason, Harry, in, in this battle between Perez and Bottas? Yeah, I, I, agree. I was going to say qualifying. Um, I, I'd be really interested, well, we won't know, but if, 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 if Bottas was still in the Mercedes next year and Perez, uh, well, Perez is going to be in the Red Bull, obviously, but how that battle would go down with Perez having done a year's worth of Red Bull experience, whether it would um, go uh, go the other way. Because I think towards the end of the year, maybe maybe Perez was starting to edge, edge, um, edge Bottas slightly, but... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll never know that one. But yeah, quality was the difference because you know, quality and I think also Perez's slightly shaky start at Red Bull um, didn't help things there. But um, yeah, like I say, Bottas has never been out of the top 10. Is that right in quality with Mercedes? Yeah, he's, he's got 100% record for the 100 Grand Prix. And over that 100 is Grand Prix he's done. redonkulous. Not even Hamilton Yeah, has I that. mean, something that... No, something that blows me away though about... Not blows me away, sorry... Other way, something that disappoints me with Valtteri is that towards the back end of the season, so there's only 36 points between Bottas and Perez, and that's less than two points on average per race over a season, right? That's like a point and a half per race across the whole season. And I think you'll notice that there was a swap. Perez got better with qualifying over the course of the season, but I think Bottas's starts got worse towards the back end of the season. Um, Bottas would regularly qualify third or fourth on the grid and by the end of the first lap he'd be eighth or ninth or tenth we saw him drop all the way back especially in the likes of Abu Dhabi for example he was nowhere um, and I think if you maybe gave another two or three races in the season I would be interested to see just how close that points gap would have become because I think Perez was properly outscoring Bottas regularly over the last few races yeah um, it would be interesting as well with the introduction of Russell into that Mercedes versus Red Bull mix just to see can Perez capitalise on the experience edge or not remains to be seen um, 
unfortunately, we now go to fifth place. And I say unfortunately because we each had three different drivers and none of them were right. Um, oh, good. Let's, uh, Harry, you were most wrong, if, if that means anything. Um, you God. said Sebastian Vettel would be fifth. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. Ooh, that uh, <laughs> not not how, quite. How far I think, how far was he? <laughs> I don't know what he ended up, but it it wasn't in the top I'll have a look. ten. Oh dear. Put it that way. Wasn't he, in the he top was twelfth. He was twelfth. Oh. He was a hundred and twenty-one points away. Whisker away. <laughs> Just a hair. Just a. Look. Just. A... Photo finished there. Um, I mean, I, you, you're most wrong, but that doesn't mean me and Sam are right. Um, Sam, you're you're heading in the right direction. You had Fernando Alonso, but still not too close. Jeez, I was gutsy. You, you, you were gutsy. Um, again, eighty-three this, points off in tenth. Again, my my newfound hatred for Charles Leclerc continues because I was right with this prediction until he decided to be awful at Abu Dhabi because he was fifth and I predicted him for fifth and then he decided he can't race for the last Grand Prix so five and a half points off you were damn so very frustrating Um, oh I like this next one though Uh, the next one we're going to look at sick we had sixth place as well and we all picked the McLaren driver Problem is, I was the only one that picked oh, the right McLaren driver. Oh, I'm a day off. <laughs> you both picked I'm not having a good, Have I got no points? I've got no points so far. You've got no points whatsoever. Hang, hang on um, a second. Can I just question my own idiotic self? Yes. Yeah, I please. said... La- it's that time. Did I say Landon... Oh, no, you said Landon Norris was going to be him. Okay, fine. Carry on. No, you didn't say that. Yeah, Carry on. No, you, that would have been very you, but you didn't. Yeah. You didn't do that. <laughs> Imagine um, if you said the one and then the other. That would be so you. <laughs> uh, yeah. The next two, we don't actually have a points assigned to them yet because they are somewhat opinionated. So we might have to do a bit of debating here. Um, first of all, we've got the surprise of the season. Uh, actually, there isn't going to be any, any debate on this one because we were all horribly wrong. Um, we all said that Yuki Sonoda would be the surprise of the season. It was surprising into every breaking zone. Yeah, surprisingly inconsistent would be. Uh, surprisingly like... unavailable to find when to stop the car. <laughs> Am I all right in saying we aren't getting any points for that one? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, Sam, you alluded to the fact that you haven't got any points so far. We now go on to the biggest yeah. letdown of the season. And I don't think oh. I can give you a point for this one because you said Carlos Sainz would be the biggest letdown. <laughs> oh. What oh. was my brain doing back then? <laughs> oh no! The other, the other two might be a little bit more up for debate. Harry, you said Esteban Ocon would be the letdown of the year. Disagree. Oh, Disagree. Yeah, I don't, I don't you got a win. I can't. I can't agree with myself there. Even if, if it was a bit lucky. I'm going to back myself for a point here. I said Sebastian Vettel. Disagree. He beat Stroll. He- he didn't finish fifth, though, did he? <laughs> also, beating Stroll is not an achievement if you're a four-time champion. Where did you put him in your list, though, of expected? Well, I just put him as the biggest letdown. Yeah, well, uh, no, I disagree. Are you saying that Sebastian Vessel was not a letdown this year? Oh, I'm not saying he wasn't a letdown, but I don't think he well, was the biggest Well, then I'll give the point! <laughs> no, you don't, because he's not... You got nineteen other drivers to beat out of that. Not us three, two, whatever. Give, give him the point. It makes him happy. He's already uh, won. 
<laughs> now, the last part of our driver's predictions is who would finish last. Sam, Nikita Mazepin might be your new favourite driver because he's got you a point. Yes, Nikita the Eggman! I love him! For this moment only, folks. Disclaimer. Temporary friend of the podcast. Doesn't know it. <laughs> um, bad news for you, Sam, is uh, we all put Mazepin, so we all get a point there. It's all right. Wait. I'm not on zero at the end of this shambles. All right. Well, um, sc- scores for this one, Sam. You you do take one point for drivers' championship predictions. Come on, uh, Harry. You take three points, but Lando Norris has helped me out a great deal here yet again, uh, and I have four. Unbelievable. I'm already excited for the next year's one. You know, sick of being second. Yeah, I'm sick of. Actually, no, it's fine. I can deal with it. Not <laughs> deserve to lose this one. All right, and then finally, let's look at some constructors' predictions. Um, Why? I've got this wrong as well. Oh, uh, you might surprise yourself. You don't know that. We'll, we'll have a look. You said that every time, and I haven't. <laughs> hey, we all start out very well on this one because we got the Mercedes and Red Bull predictions the right way around this time out. We all said Mercedes would win Come the on. Constructors' Championship. We all said Red Bull would finish second. So we each start with two points. Third place. Oh. Now, you might re- if you've been a fan of the podcast for a long time, you might well remember when we made these predictions um, and I said that Ferrari would finish third and Sam laughed like a hyena. <laughs> <laughs> I do have that kind of laugh. Right. Sam, are you still laughing now? Um, no, not really. Leclerc and Sainz have pulled it by this process. They pulled, they pulled it out of the bag for me. Ferrari is correct. Um, you two were looking good for a lot of the year because you both had McLaren as third place, but Ferrari came on strong. Um, in terms of that midfield fight, because obviously last year it was more based towards, uh, I guess, Renault, uh, Racing Point and McLaren rather than McLaren versus Ferrari. Are you surprised at all, Sam, that it was just a two-way fight for third and that no other team could get involved? Yeah, massively. The regulation has changed so little. I know we had some reductions in the likes of the aero and stuff, so the cars were meant to be slower in the corners. They weren't. Um, but, it, it, you know, they, they pushed back regulations by a whole year. The cars were very, very similar. So I thought the likes of Racing Point, who became Aston Martin, were going to carry over a lot of that expertise. You know, they, they did very well in the 2020 season. I thought Renault, who feel, felt like they were on the up with Daniel Ricciardo doing so well, who then became Alpine, we're going to be progressive. That's why I gave Alonso fifth. It makes sense to me that Alonso's coming back. He's got a good team under him. The Renault engine felt better. I really felt like Alonso was able, going to be able to deliver alongside that team. When they just right at the end of the season, it felt like they were getting there, but you know, it never really came true. Alpha Tauri, I felt like if Yuki Tsunoda was delivering the same level of Pierre Gasly the whole season, then they actually really could have been a contender for a you know third or fourth place in the season. But they had one driver driving in the literal stratosphere of driving ability. And they had Yuki Tsunoda, who was trying to reach the pedals the whole year. So it's hard when that's your team. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was disappointed and surprised. Because, folks, when you hear where I put Ferrari later on, we're all going to have a good giggle. Oh, we'll get to that. 
we'll get to that. <laughs> so, same question for you, Harry. Were you surprised that it being a two-way fight, did you expect other teams to be in the mix? Yeah, I, I am. And like Sam said, I think, you know, Racing Point that became Aston Martin, you'd have, well, I obviously did, so but said me a bit in fifth. Um, uh, you, you'd have been fairly confident that this year they'd at least been involved in that fight, but but they were they were nowhere near. And yeah, same same for Alpine to be honest. Um, weird, I guess that's just how the cookie crumbles in F1 sometimes. But but surprising considering how little change from 2020 to to 2021 in terms of rule changes. Um, and obviously it did bring the field closer together, I think overall. But but yeah, in terms of a consistent fight for for uh, third in the championship it was only ever between McLaren and Ferrari to be honest yeah I, I think if you're Aston Martin or you're Alpine probably particularly Aston Martin you've just got to hope that the reason you dropped off the pace so much this year is that you're so dedicated to 2022 and it's all going to come good uh, whether it will or not we'll have to see next year but you've got to hope that that's the reason for those two teams um, you know, McLaren and Ferrari. I think Ferrari, for me, I, I thought they were going to make a step forward just based on how poor the power unit was um, last year, and thinking it can't be that bad again. Uh, and you know, fortunately for their sake, it wasn't. And and McLaren is a bit of a weird one where they've fallen back in terms of championship position, but you don't actually feel like they've really moved back because they're still in the fight. They're still, you know, they contended for wins. They had one and probably could have had two if Russia had gone better for Norris. So, yeah, I think both teams can can look to next year as, with, with a bit of encouragement because they've definitely got themselves in the mix. And, yeah, if, you, if you're Alpine and Aston Martin, maybe it all comes good next year. You've kind of got your fingers crossed on that one and nothing else. Can I just declare before we move on to the next section? Yes. I think next year's predictions are going to be an absolute mess a proper shambles I don't think we're going to get half of them right I I think you're right um, in that they're usually a shambles so it's probably going to be even more of a shambles yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to fourth place in the championship uh, we've all got different teams here I put McLaren fourth and of course you know you two didn't because you had them third um, but in, on this occasion, Sam, you're slightly less wrong than Harry is because you had Alpine fourth. So you're only one spot out on that. Uh, Harry had Aston Martin more than Ooh. one spot out. Ooh. I like being slightly less wrong. I mean, it's not a point, but I'll take Sam's slightly less wrong sage. That's fine. I've just remembered as well. I think apart from the last two positions of Williams and Haas... Harry, you literally copied the 2020 standings from first down to eighth. Um, I'm not saying if that's worked out well or, or not what's for you. What's but... your point? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Amazing. how funny it was when you did it. <laughs> I didn't and only realised halfway go, through that you'd done go it. Go with that one yeah. again. Yeah. yeah, that'll do. That'll do. It's, lo- it's logical. There is a point going to be handed out for fifth place, and it goes to Mr. Harry Eid, because he had Alpine in fifth place. Well Sam, you had Aston Martin, so not quite on that one. Uh, and I expected too much of Yuki Sonoda. I put Alpha Tauri in fifth, uh, and they didn't get there. Sam, slightly wrong Sage, strikes again. But not when it comes to sixth place, because you did have Alpha Tauri 
you had Alpha Tauri in sixth place, so you get a point. <laughs> Come on! I feel, I feel so rare. I feel like Williams. I've picked up a point somehow. Snuck in on the safety car. I had Aston Martin, so I was I was a place out on that one. Uh, and Harry, there's a bit of good news and bad news. Uh, the bad news is you were three places out by putting Ferrari sixth. The good news is that's not the most out someone's been on Ferrari, so uh, there, there is that. Here we go, folks. Here we go. <laughs> Let's move on to... Sam's not slightly wrong anymore. <laughs> Everyone, get get your fingers out. Let's start counting. We're, we're going down to seventh place now. So there are six teams ahead of these predictions. Seventh place. Uh, I put Alpine, so I was two out on that one. Uh, Harry, you were close. You had Alpha Tauri, so you were one out on that. Uh, Sam, you had Ferrari in seventh place. I did. Um, and I'll give you a famous Sam expression. Let me tell you one for why. Um, <laughs> wow. <it's... laughs> oh, what a throwback. I'll tell you one for why. I'll tell you one for why. Basically, I thought they would give up entirely on the regulations and just throw everything at, tw- at the 2022 regs. Apparently, they could do both. I mean, they've got the money, right? Um, so I was very wrong. I'll take that on the chin. Bonotto must have serenity hearing how wrong that I was. I hope it brings him peace. That worked wow. with peace, by the way. Yes, peace. <laughs> like, peace and love. <laughs> We joked earlier on when doing uh, Teammate Wars about George Russell's podium and how he saved us for for getting that one right. Unfortunately, this is where it comes back to bite us because we're all wrong about 8th and ninth place. Uh, We all had Alfa Romeo 8th. We all had Williams ninth, which is the wrong way around. As if. Oh, no. George Russell. The Belgian Grand Prix. What a belter. Still better than Saudi Grand Prix. Well, I don't know. It was only three minutes long as well. That was nice. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's like the least stressful race I've watched all year. Uh, it's boring, have, wasn't it? <laughs> we have extended ourselves even further towards the Nikita Mazepin fan club, apparently, because we all got Hass right in 10th place. So, cheers, Hass. Thanks, Nikita Mazepin. You're great. Uh, which means scores for constructors Harry and Sam you both share four points but I've got to thank McLaren again because <laughs> they've given me five are you telling you me you've won every bloody thing I'll take that yeah he's got a straight sweep whatever you call it it's a grand slam he looks smug hey you know what I, I've got a target on my back for 2022 and I don't enjoy it yeah, that's how I felt though after winning it twice in a row it was all going to crumble I understand yeah I'll get there one year <laughs> it'll happen Harry it'll happen <laughs> the regulations will change next year and you'll lose again I'm just going to keep repeating the 2021 until I get it right 2020 constructors they're all worse. when we're 76 I'll go for Ferrari 5th they left the sport 40 years ago Harry <laughs> <laughs> right there's everyone's predictions Uh, interested to know how you got on compared to us if you were indeed keeping track of of what you had at the beginning of the year Um, I feel like 
you know, th- there are some areas we really let ourselves down there. Biggest surprise, Yuki Sonoda might be a highlight considering we all went for that. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a bit of a zinger. I mean, if we just looked at first and last races, we smashed it. Yeah. Unfortunately, there were twenty one other races in between, which is unfortunate. Twenty. Never mind. Twenty. I say. Same thing. Yeah. Such a shame. Otherwise, we were spot on. Um, good news is, this isn't our last podcast of the year. It's the LBs next week. They're back. LB award time. Stay tuned for that one. But Sam, for this episode, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, coming out next week is, of course, my self-help book of how to be right. Don't listen to me. I advise you not to buy the book. Um, in the meantime, I hope it's been fun. I hope you have gone through your predictions with us and maybe not being as wrong as both me and Harry. Maybe you can look at us and be smug like Ben does every day of his life. Um, come back for the LBs. The LBs is a very silly and fun episode where we kind of run through the whole season, all the ups and downs, the silliness. And we give out a multitude of ridiculous awards. One, just as a little teaser, is called the Sassy Massey Award. Uh, so make sure you come back for that one. It is going to be spectacular. There's also a secret host. Uh, in the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. You picked that up way too much. I've been better. <laughs> uh, and I've been wrong again. And remember, keep breaking late. One wooden spoon. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk.
Sports Social Podcast Network.